Just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls. I am your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with my incredible co-host, Becky Andreasen. Becky, welcome back. And thank you. Hi, Patricia, and hi, everyone out there. So glad you're on the show with me tonight. What yes. fun we're going to have, huh? Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Is, this is. Well, and I love having you on the show anytime, but especially when we have UFOs as the topic. And tonight we've got a terrific guest on, and we actually got two guests on. We have Larry Warren, and he is from the Bentwaters Woodbridge UFO incident firsthand. He witnessed the whole thing. And Larry's going to be here to set the record straight on a number of items. And then we have somebody you know personally, and so do I, Bob Luca, who will be joining us from the Andreas an affair. So two great books everybody has to get. Left at East Gate, which uh, Larry is one of the authors on, and that is a first-hand account of the Bentwaters Woodbridge UFO incident, and of course, the Andreasen Affair. Those books, you, you got to put them in your library. They're excellent. They're both available on Amazon.com, so you guys got to Go out and get those books, or get on the internet and get those books. They're both excellent. So, anyways... Becky, yes, I've got something to tell you tonight. You will find interesting. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> there was a big study done recently at Chapman University by sociologists. They found that now 52% of America believes in all things paranormal. 52%. That is fantastic. They're finally actually realizing that it exists and it's real. That is it's fantastic real. news. Isn't that great? So, hey, yeah. they, they all need to come listen to the show where paranormal is normal. That's what we're all about. Now, the other thing they did, which was kind of funny, they also did another uh, another kind of a, I guess you could call it a, another poll. They wanted to know, what do Americans fear more, the government or ghosts? Guess Are what you happened? kidding me? <laughs> wow. That was well, the question. That's a double so, G question, huh? Ghost to government. It's a double huh? G. It's a double, yeah, G. double G. And guess what? Here were the here's the results. You know, I think people are getting smarter every day because this is what Americans are scared most of is government officials. Oh, my gosh. The corruption of government officials, a whopping 81.2%. Wow. Yes, of participants. Yeah. They said they were much more afraid of corruption wow. by the government. That is After so that, sad. Isn't that something? So people are getting smart. And they also said they feared cyber terrorism next and corporate tracking of personal information third. So they're not afraid of ghosts. They accept it, but they that are afraid sense. of the government. 
makes sense. I mean, just, you know, just look at the records. Oh, yeah, this didn't happen. This didn't happen. Boom. A few months later comes out the report. Well, it did happen. It's been released. It's like, how many times do they have to be clobbered over the head to realize, you know? know. Well, finally, uh, this study is in this poll are are telling the true story that people are totally waking up to this and they're getting the point that they're not being told the truth, that they are being lied to on a number of subjects and they don't like it. So, but Mm -hmm. again, the paranormal, hey, guess what? They're all right with us. 52%. That's a very high percentage. I think it's the highest one ever. So it's terrific. So everybody in our audience, if you have not signed up for our fabulous newsletter, please do so. It's called The Fringe Files, and you can find it on our website, which is SupernaturalGirls with a Z dot com. You can find a lot of stuff on our website. We've started to post health articles. We have all kinds of information about our shows from the past. You can listen to any of them. All of the shows are archived, so if it doesn't meet with your schedule to listen on a Wednesday night, you can go to our website and listen to any of them anytime. And Inception Radio Network, they've got a whole bunch of ways you can listen to our show. You can download smart apps for your smartphone. You can listen while you're driving in the car. Whatever's convenient. We love to have you listening to the show and also participating. So tonight, please feel free to call in and ask our guests any questions or make any comments you'd like about the subject. Now tonight, the number is, as it always is, 888 919-2355. Again, that's 888-919-2355. And if you want to join us in the chat room, that's good, too. The address for that is irnchat.com. Again, that's irnchat.com. So, Becky, here we are. Another UFO show. I love these UFO shows. They're so it's great. It's getting, you know, the information out to the public. And, and I agree with most people involved with all this that the people out there need to know. They need to know the truth. Well, they do. And here's Larry. He's going to be talking to us about all kinds of things, not just what happened during this event, which took place in 1980, December of 1980, for three nights. I think it was the 25th or the 28th. But also what happened to him after. They weren't very nice to him. After that, he had passport troubles. He had uh, all kinds of blockades put up about him getting back into any branch of the military. He's going to tell us, I know all about this, but it was a real harassment campaign, disinformation campaign. And it seems to be going on to this day. So you know how that is, Becky, because you being an abductee, you lived through a lot of this with your mother and with Bob. And it is... Very disconcerting. It Uh, is. It is. And they're still there. They haven't stopped. They're still listening and watching. Yeah. And it's like, gosh, come on, guys. I mean, we all know you're doing it. We all know UFOs are at least 52% of us know this. So (laughs) that's right. They need to step up to the plate and, 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 you know, come clean on things. And then they'll gain the trust of the public eventually. Exactly. Well, they've lost our trust because we know what's happening with UFOs in the sky, underground, and it's it's stuff that our government or some people in the government have known about apparently for quite some time. Yeah. And then they they 
deny it, and they threaten people. Larry's going to tell us all about that. And also, I know Bob has been uh, on the receiving end of a few threats himself, so we're going to hear all about this from these two wonderful guests. So let me first introduce to everybody in our audience... Larry Warren. Now, Larry is the author of Left at Eastgate, a firsthand account of the Bentwaters Woodbridge UFO incident. Larry has been uh, featured in a number of documentaries about this, including the sci-fi documentary, which was very well done about everything that happened at Bentwaters Woodbridge, uh, Rendlesham Forest area. So, again, this encounter happened over three nights in December in 1980 near the twin RAF bases of Bentwaters and Woodbridge. Now, again, they were warned not to talk about it. They were threatened. All kinds of things went on, and Larry's going to get into great detail about it. At the time, he was stationed there at Bentwaters and was present during the night of encounters when this unknown craft actually landed and was surrounded by USAF ground personnel. So, again, this is a great, great uh, story. It's an amazing experience that Larry has lived with for a long time part of his life. So, Larry, welcome to the show. Well, thanks very much. Happy to be on with y'all. Really, thank you. And um, before you go any further, I'm actually going to introduce Bob uh, to us also. So, also, again, Bob Luca, you are very much part of the UFO world and associated with personally with the book The Andreasen Affair and all the subsequent books that were written by Ray Fowler. Excellent books. And again, Bob, you have suffered at the hands of God knows who, but somebody who doesn't want the truth out there. And so also, Bob, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. A pleasure to be on with you all. Great. Great, great. So, Larry, if you could, can you, I know there's a lot that happened (coughs) three nights. But can you summarize uh, for our audience what happened? And then yeah. we're going to go into everything else that happened. I mean, this is a big story. We could go on all night about it. But if you can just summarize it so anybody in our audience who doesn't quite know the story can be brought up to speed. Right. I'm happy to. Um, I, was, <clears throat> I went in the Air Force in 79 uh, because of the Iran hostage uh, thing that was going on at that time. And that was my motivator. And I had gone to high school in England, and I got the last guaranteed uh, assignment in, uh, of my choice, which I wanted to come back to England because I went to school in Essex for a bit, you know, as an exchange student here, yeah, where I live now. I live in Liverpool, and I uh, live in England again. I can never get out. And um, I never <laughs> I remember flying out of Milton Hall, uh, our air base here, when we come back to the States, and I said, I'm never going back. Well, I... <laughs> That was the biggest misstatement I've ever made in my life, and my oh, son's wow. English. <laughs> so um, I like pain. I don't know. Oh, so no, I, no. I, I got stationed at RAF Bentwaters and Woodbridge. It was a very extremely important NATO frontline base during the Cold War, which is when these events took place. And over three nights in late December 1980, we had, and you know, what makes it important, since another uh, one of my brothers that went through it, Adrian Bastenza, who has now uh, gone public, we, myself, John Burroughs, and he, and another uh, witness to this just, you know, did another radio show a few weeks ago. It was rather historic, because uh, Adrian has chosen, probably wisely, to, you know, 
um, <laughs> stay out of all this. But um, he he came out with force, and you know I, I'm honored he did. Um, we had nuclear weapons backline tactical nukes stored on our base. We weren't nuclear capable with our aircraft, uh, but they were. But you don't keep the assets with the delivery system. They were just north of F-111s. So um, we had them there, and that was still a point where you'll hear certain witnesses, they won't go into that still. But I don't have a pension, so I was the one that said that. That cost me my passport. But anyway, having these nukes, uh, we had we were highly trained people by the time we got there. Uh, we were air-based ground defenders, uh, combatants, heavily armed. Uh, we were security forces. They, you always hear security police and think of MPs. We weren't that. We were combatants. You know, we, you wouldn't see us. We were on the flight lines and in the you know, uh, alpha areas, the very important uh, um, weapon storage areas and nuclear around the planes and all that. And then there was the law enforcement police. So on night one, which I had nothing to do with, uh, John Burroughs, uh, Jim Bet- uh, Peniston, um, Ed, Eddie Kavanisak, who has been written out of it for some reason on these TV shows in America, and Bud Steffens, who was a uh, sergeant, uh, my reporting official at that time, they uh, were doing a gate check on east on um, the east gate at RAF Woodbridge, uh, which wasn't really used heavily at night. And as they did the gate checks, uh, John Burroughs, who was an airman first class like I was, uh, saw lights in the direction, the opposite direction, the forest, called it in. Responses came. They, you've probably seen depictions of this on TV. And they went out and they encountered, uh, long story short, an object on the ground. Now, I wasn't there, and I've been with John, and he's explained, and you know, I've stood with Jim, and he said that it was over there and where it began. But I wasn't part of that. And they, they had a profound experience. I mean, you know, Penniston talks about time travel and downloads, and I can't speak address that because I'm not him and it didn't happen to me. So I'm not saying it didn't happen to him. But they definitely encountered uh, high strangeness. The next night, uh, we had a Lieutenant Tamplin encounter something that went through her vehicle. Uh, I I don't know. I wasn't there again. She has never commented, though I saw her reactions after. And uh, she was a black lieutenant, female lieutenant for uh, law enforcement. And uh, because women weren't in our job at that time, they are now. And uh, because combatants, we American military didn't do it at that time. And uh, but she had a a thing that scared her very much. Again, I didn't know about what had gone on. My shift was coming back on the third night, which was D flight. We were four shifts, A, B, C, and D, and we'd rotate, and it was six on, three off, etc. And uh, I was posted to an alert area. The base was on alert. I have photos that prove it, and uh, because there were entrances uh, or entrance uh, alert signs, and I just tested a new camera that day. Also took another interesting picture that took 34 years for a guy named Mick Sayer here in uh, England to spot that there was something in it, which was, as turned out, I can't show you on the Skype here, but... Uh, turned out to be exactly what I've been trying to describe. In fact, drew on Bob's coffee table in 1982. Oh. Uh, we can get into that later. This is so great to be able to be on with uh, uh, 
Bob, because it was without him and without uh, dear Betty Andreasen, the uh, Rendlesham Forest or uh, Bent Waters, as it became known in the 80s, would not have come out the way it did. And that that's very important for people to know that. Even though they have enough trouble with the Andreasen affair, unfortunately, they're forever married to this, too. And it's it's important people know that. Without them, there this would not have, uh, and the, the fate that I encountered them, this would not have come out. Uh, I just needed to talk to someone other than my family about it. And they were the people that uh, got the short straw. <laughs> just, oh. It was so weird. And they had enough trouble going on. And I saw it and with Bob and Betty. And, you know, I, I knew who the name definitely was. And uh, it's so weird, this life. But anyway, my event, real quick, uh, we came out, the, we were called off, brought lighting equipment out to the forest. Because there's so much, you can get jammed up in this uh, retelling. Um, we encountered, uh, we turned in weapons, we encountered an object on the ground. It was a fog, a mist, a thing uh, on the ground. So you wouldn't have thought UFOs. There were fil- uh, video cameras there. And an object came in south. They try to blame this. Oh, they're still in the British press. They'll Every December, they'll bring up, the you know, because this is always in the paper in December. You know, that it was the lighthouse, this Orford lighthouse. And, you know, it wasn't. And, you know, we're, we're highly, again, highly trained observers. And it's a slap in the face to our armed forces to suggest it. Um, but they do. And, you and know. It's crazy that they do that. And it is a slap well, in the face to you. Being I, I always observer. say, that, you know, like uh, like with Bigfoot, which, you know, and sadly, you know, or happily in 75, I saw one with my mom in New York State. And who knew? But I seen it. And, uh so we, I like to use an expression now when the debunkers have a go at anything, saying it was a an ape, a lighthouse in an ape suit, or whatever it was. You know? <laughs> you just their explanations are so asinine and ludicrous that, frankly, the lighthouse explanation became almost a member of our family. It's just totally a, a family joke. Though this thing was no joke what it did and affected, you know, my family, my brothers that went through it, their families. And I know Bob firsthand and Betty know all about that stuff. Almost got me murdered at one point, which Bob recently reminded me of that. And it had to have something to do with it, which I try to put out of my head. That was a horrible thing. But uh, I saw, I'll just say what I saw. I saw that go on. I saw an, uh, a red light come in and uh, it make it sound so light. It was like you were in a dream anyway, watching this. And your movements weren't... Uh, as you would expect when you're normal and uh, it affected everyone just in the forest. So uh, this light came, there was a structured thing there and it kept changing and you couldn't fix on it. It was all photographed. There were senior people more high ranked than Colonel Halt there, even though he was out there with his team on the far side of the field, went into the back end of the field, came back in right where our things going on in Capel Green, this place, which now there's an eight-foot human fence, not a deer fence, human fence to keep, because it's a famous place for people to go. You know, they're there all the time, and tourists from around the world go to see it, and the people that own the land are dreadful people. You know, they're just not very nice at all. And, of course, there's physical evidence that's been scientifically analyzed in that field that show an anomalous event went on. I can't get into that, but Springborn Environmental in Wear a Mass actually did all that work. 
So the debunkers, have, this is one where the debunkers have nowhere to go. Uh, yeah. The other aspect, they, they, there's nothing they can do with this except lighthouses and ape suits and things. That's all they can do. <laughs> so, um, you know, and they, they, they sound sillier as the years go on, don't they? But we had this, um, I saw what I perceived to be a living thing associated with this object, and it was within light. And I, I'm not a new agey sort of person whatsoever. I think Bob even knew that 30 two years ago when he met me or three years ago is that um you know pretty grounded guy but you know i've had the experience throughout my life also uh this was uh not a <laughs> this was different but i mean i was no stranger to weird things and funny enough neither were some of the other known uh folks involved in this now so when you saw to- this you saw this object and it was it had landed well, nothing landed. It was one thing, and then it became another. It was a, that I could perceive a red light came in, an amber thing, and it sat over it, and it, it was a flash of light. It, it, it was so bright, it caused flash burns to my retinas, which are medically documented. All of us have medical damage that is all documented. John Burroughs was just awarded a government payout because of his damage, and he's been a such a great guy on how you know we were pitted against each other for so many years all the witnesses were by colonel halt and uh, sad to say and you know he's the one that made the tape and wrote the document and he was their you know deputy base commander and i don't know if he works if someone's making him do these things or any i just don't understand it but because uh, with unity, we really could knock the house of cards down. Now, a lot of us are together. A lot of us that were, were together at it. And we're pretty much on the same page. Little perception things, a little different. I will say John Burroughs went into this stuff, you know, this phenomena. After I had left the site, we all have missing time. For up to 14 hours worth leaving. I don't remember getting back to the base yet. I remember turning my weapons in at central security control and the sun was up and now you're missing a massive amount of hours. So there's a lot of things that are going off like popcorn for us, even to this day, uh, to get away, get back to that. People can read that in our book and it's my perception of it. And that is always subject not to change, but, you know, try to, I'm always trying to always questioning myself and it's 35 years later. Now, you know, in December, and we all are that went through it. Where you can go to court with this, that's my perception and the evidence you will never see, the film and all. We had containment teams come in to our base in aircraft. Now, I wrote a letter to my mom describing all this. It's the only authentic, original, historic document, not even the hall tape, the uh, memo, which we'll get into, that was uh, is a copy any of the three witness statements from night one, none of the other statements have ever been seen. And they're all pre-written and they're all watered down as per usual. And they had containment teams come in. The Office of Naval Intelligence did the debriefing with our group, not the Air Force, and ONI. They came up from London. And then uh, we had NSA very heavily involved and their field arm, which is the Armed Forces Security Services. So they deal with, well, the Navy handles all this stuff. Isn't that funny? And they have all these containment teams. You, no one could approach the aircraft, even the commanders on the base. They had their own internal security. And they unleashed hell on the witnesses. So you're talking about injections, uh, sodium amethyl, sodium pentothal. Not just me, other guys. Awesome. 
it's not good. And um, I understand that when I met Bob and, and Betty, I, I was still, you know, post-traumatic stress boy of the year. You know, at that time, I was I was fried. And I imagine I looked when I look back and the friends of mine say, you know, in these old shows, because we start doing the tele television and all that sort of thing, trying to promote that this happened. I was the whistleblower for Rendlesham Forest. There, there's no one else. I was the guy that kicked the lid. I'm not just a witness. I'm the whistleblower. So the whistleblower gets the short shift, or you know, in anything, right? And I can address that, and I can I can understand exactly what authentic whistleblowers go through, and I can go into a court of law tomorrow if such things were decided in a court of law, and we would win. We would win this, you know, uh, absolutely. This is one that scares the general public. This is one that, frankly, even scares the UFO community, you know, that word. I have never seen a community in that, uh, the groups and all, but I'm very uh, pretty much, uh, you know, I'm not part of it. You're bringing up so many important points that we need to get into all of us tonight. And again, it's it's so the thing that frightens, I think, people the most. And I'm going to go back to the study they just did is the way you were treated after the event. I mean, again, you were drugged. You were you were questioned. You got phone calls about are you having any dreams? Do you have any compulsions? And all of these questions without any explanation and then being told. Hey, look, we've known about this for longer than you guys have been alive, and you need to back off because there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, I can't that's think ex- of anything more scary. That's exactly what they they said in the debrief, which was in Malcolm Ziegler's office, not in an uh, alien underground base. I mean, you know, the problem is with me is uh, they'll look at it now at 54, and I was... 19 when that happened and I look back I mean my son looks like I did then <laughs> uh, yeah it's the weirdest thing and except he he won't go through that uh, if I can help it he won't go through it yeah and the right. darndest you know is that there is they will contain this they it is real the phenomenon is real I don't have to scream about it to you guys it's real we know it where it's from, that, that's where I get worried when people say, well, I know exactly. Well, maybe people do. I, I just don't know, and I don't want to know. I just know it ain't from here, and the stuff they fly around in wasn't built in Detroit. And <laughs> you know, I've been in this, you know, you, you get contained in the UFO field. You know, and myself and Sergeant Bastinza, we thought in March of 81, this has to come out. It, it brought a suicide on our base, which has been denied happened or it was staged to motivate i don't know you know to motivate behaviors who knows there was so much spooky stuff with the feds going on and these people they're very very heavy people that deal with this stuff and i think it is private industry i think it's private sector that's why when the military the air force can say we stopped investigating ufos in 1969 and i think they probably still blow that old horn is that they probably don't they they slant it. It's a slant thing where it goes off to a private sector. So they're really not lying. Uh, they ship it out. And then there's a heavy bunch of gangsters that uh, run it and contain it because they think it's, uh, well, it's all about defense and weaponization. And, um, you know, it's not really, they don't give a damn about anything else with it. And um, it, it's real. You're absolutely right. Yeah. 
I, that's my feeling. And, you know, I dealt with spooks and real ones. And, you know, it's pretty much where you're getting it is that they're really not with an agency that we know because then they'd, they'd have to be accountable. These people are not accountable at all. And they have every resource, at the, obviously, at their – I mean, they clamp down our base and no one could go near them. And they could take and do with us young airmen whatever they wanted. And and I think sometimes with Colonel Halt and other officers on our base – there's a sense of I'm not saying Colonel Holt's a bad man. I don't like things he said and all that, but I do, I do believe that there's a sense of guilt that they were powerless to kind of uh, help us, you know, and and it was probably done to them too, you know. They, they, it probably was. This was so vast, and it was a major uh, issue, international incident. Uh, the fact that we had nuclear weapons uh, and beams were fired down into these bunkers and adversely affected the ordnance. Now, it took the Canadians, of all people, and I did a TV show with uh, John Burroughs. Uh, Larry, two- I'm just going to I'm going to ask you to hang on to that thought, because if you want to hear all about that, and we're, we're going to oh. have to take a very short break. And everybody, we have such a terrific show for you tonight. We are talking to Larry Warren, Bob Luca, my co-host, Becky Andreasen is here with us. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio. We're talking about Bent Waters. We're talking about Rendlesham Forest and the UFO sighting that took place over three nights in December of 1980. And we will be right back. Stay tuned. Listening to IRN, the Inception Radio Network, Chicago, Illinois. You didn't forget what's coming up tonight, did you? Hi, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Never miss that interview you were looking forward to or the show on your favorite topic. Follow IRN on Twitter. I underscore R underscore N and get reminders about the evening's live shows as well as fun and important updates throughout the week. That's I underscore R underscore N and never miss a great show again. Hi, can you hear my voice? Imagine how many other people can hear it too. If you have advertising needs, then look no further. The Inception Radio Network currently has openings for on-air advertisements and radio show sponsorships. Given any thought to your target demographic? Inception has you covered there, too. Advertising on a network gives you multiple opportunities to advertise on a wide variety of radio show broadcasts, and we have one to fit every advertising need. You know, in recent years, Internet radio has exhibited a phenomenal listener growth. An Arbitron Edison survey shows that online radio boosts at least 33 million unique visitors each week and 54 million each month. And that number amazingly continues to grow. And these listeners are a part of many businesses' core demographics. And surveys have shown that Internet radio listeners are far more likely than regular radio listeners to spend money on a whole range of activities. You know, Internet listeners vote, they dine out, eat fast food, and they grab a cup of coffee. And here's the interesting one. They buy items online at a much higher rate than all other market segments combined. 
Internet radio also enables businesses to connect with consumers during work hours, where increasingly more lifestyle decisions are being made. Advertise with the best. The Inception Radio Network offers competitive advertising rates to fit just about anyone's advertising budget. Stop by today at www.inceptionradionetwork.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-919-2355. Get the word out. Get results with the Inception Radio Network. Are you a fan of Inception Radio Network? Do you reckon it's the best alternative talk radio station on the planet? Well, if you do, head to facebook.com forward slash Inception Radio Network and like the page. Tell your friends, spread the word, and keep listening to the best. Hello, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Remember, you can take your Inception Radio shows on the go. Just download the Inception Radio Network app for your iPhone, iPad, or Android smartphones and access live shows, past shows, guest lineups, and much more. Just visit the iTunes Store or the Google Play Marketplace and download it today for free. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. back everyone you are listening to supernatural girls radio i am your host patricia baker and i'm here with my co-host becky andreason and becky and i have a terrific show for you tonight we are talking to larry warren and larry was a witness to the ufo experience in rendlesham forest and we're also here with bob luca from the andreason affair and we're talking about not only the events of these sightings that both men experienced in, the, in different times and places, but similar UFO sightings. It, we're talking about what happens after, and it's not pleasant. No. So, Larry, let's go back to you. I know you said you wanted to wrap up your yeah. experience in Rendlesham Forest, so let's go there first. Yeah, it, you can get jammed up on that. It's very complex and it involves so many people. And if people aren't aware of it, don't don't base your knowledge on it on YouTube videos or the history ancient alien show in America and all that stuff, which we get over here also. Because, you know, there's sound bites when you do these things. You might do a dynamite interview and then but these production companies have an agenda before they even contact you that's why you won't be seeing many of us on any of them because they have their own little thing 
thing and you don't know who they're answering to. And I got 30 plus years of doing them off and on. And, you know, that you never, it's never informative. It's more entertainment based. And there was nothing entertaining about these events uh, at, at Bent Waters uh, it, for us. It involved local people also. They've seen things and they still see things. And uh, well, anyway, I got out of the Air Force um, honorably, discharged. Uh, and I got um, home to New York, and um, I was going to say the Canadians, basically a show they won't let you in America see, though it's on in England and uh, for whatever reason, and Canada, is that the Canadians did prove through a Swiss um, nuclear agency that there were 100 tactical nuclear weapons, and that made those events of extreme defense significance, like the Admiral of the Fleet, the Lord Peter Hill Norton, always said... And that guy was the head of NATO, and he was a huge ally of not only myself and my co-author, but the events in, in themselves, and brought it up in Parliament, brought our book up in uh, the House of Lords, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. And so, you know, this is heavy beans, this whole thing. It's not a, just a story. It's not a, it's a political thing. It's, uh, it, it should be frightening to people. It should, be in, it should make people more angry if they educate themselves and know what actually happened. And not the spin by, you know, the, the entertainment, uh, the UFO researchers that have never put an effort into it until it got famous. Or, um, you know, because they weren't bothered in, throughout the 80s. I know that. And I was the only one shoveling the driveway on it. Uh, just try, and it wasn't about me. It was to get justice, you know, for uh, the brothers. And you know, this I knew, I knew this was the one, and that's why. And this can bring me further now for you. When I got out, I remember the last thing I said, to Sergeant Bastenza, we've got to get this out, and we had a very emotional kind of thing in the dorm, his dorm. And Adrian Bastins is very famous with the events. And again, like I've said, he has gone on record now with his voice. And that was a real honor for me. And it really kind of shut up a lot of people that needed shutting up. But uh, <laughs> but they'll still run it. Lighthouses and Bigfoot suits, you know how they are. Sure, but, exactly. But um, I, I'm not a fan of UFO, i got to tell you, because really they've done nothing for this. This is witness-driven how Rendlesham has come out. Yes, there are great researchers. My co-author, Peter Robbins, has cared about the witnesses, the people that lived it. It's not a case. It's not a case. These aren't cases. These are life experiences to people. And all too often, these researchers get a hold of us and we become performing monkeys and they write their books and then we're thrown to the side. And it, that's why you get the strong people like the Andreas, you know, Betty and Bob and Becky and Travis Walton. Uh, yeah, myself too. And all the real kind of cats that say, you know, screw that. I'm about the witnesses, man. I'm not about your next book. I'm not about, you know, coming up on the dog leash and then getting cut loose and you go on with your, you know, it's a big ego sideshow, but I'll get off all that. Cause then I can say, it cause I've been around this thing for a long, long time, but, uh, so I say hats off to the witnesses. I, I don't really give a Well, fuck. yes, and I think we all agree with what you have to say about that. And it's interesting when you mentioned Travis. Becky, remember uh, we had Travis on the show yes. together. And one of the things that Travis shared with us on the air is basically all of the witnesses stuck together. And this is something you were just talking about, Larry, is that all the witnesses need to stick together in these yeah. events. Yeah. And what happened to one of them was he said one of the guys really fell on hard times mm -hmm. and he was about to lose his house and he received a visit 
from someone in the government who is offering to pay him a lot of money yeah. if he would just recant his story and come out and say that Travis Walton was lying. Yeah. I, I know who, I, I know who that is. Yeah, and he said no. He said absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, obviously the poor guy needed the money really badly. Yeah. But he kept his integrity. Yeah, they, they tried that with me in uh, the group. Yeah, they tried that with me and once in uh, funny enough in a bar, <laughs> and uh, uh, near Southington, Connecticut, and uh, that's in her book. And it, it sounds that sounds almost over the top. And it really was so weird when this thing kicked off because they were worried. You know, am I talking to Russia, representing the Russians or whatever? But Travis, you know, he's he was my hero and. Uh, and remains so. And it's 40 years this November since uh, the boys had their incident. And he's a dear friend of mine, and I'm honored to call him a friend, and Mike Rogers. And I think they're the only two I actually know and personally. And, uh, you know, I remember when that happened to them. And, you know, Travis is one of the best speakers out there. He's, He's so cool with it all now. And he's I can see a lot of me in him, though I'm not as good with a chainsaw, but uh, I wish I was. <laughs> but he, uh, Jennifer Stein did a great movie called Travis, and I, I would absolutely suggest anyone watch it. Uh, it's fantastic, and it's it's truly the human end. It's not a researcher's running their mouths and all this. It is the guys that lived it and what happened to them and their families and life. And, you know, you walk away there, the biggest diehard skeptic, which I can appreciate, and I'll tell you what, you'll be ringing some bells in your head. Okay. Uh, anyway, but uh, just to so, plug that, because it really is a beautiful This is a really film. important point about when this happens, how the experiencers need to really stick to the truth, stay together, and not get seduced by these bribes and other things that may be presented to them. Because uh, I know you, Larry, have suffered somewhat at the hands of someone who is now saying all these terrible things about you. And actually... He's, he's not anymore, <laughs> trust me. He's, 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 gone, he's gone quiet, which is good. Well, he's had but to. Somebody who warned you about this... <laughs> And yet encouraged you to come forward is on the show with us tonight, and that's Bob Luca. So I want to bring you both around to how you guys met. Right. And then how Bob and Betty basically uh, shared with you their experience and encouraged you to go forward with yours. Well, they... (laughs) I, uh, if I may, it was just, uh, I was... uh, off my head at that time. I went to live with my dad in Connecticut, and it was uh, Southington, Connecticut, and I, I didn't have a job. Or I, you know, I was out of the Air Force, and you know, I was dealing with this. No one knew about Rendlesham. My mom didn't want to know. I called her on the phone, but she never. I think it disturbed it would disturb a mother, you know, knowing their kid went through something. And again, this is 1981. It was a far different time. We had weird phone things going on, and my sister noticed uh, she doesn't care about any of this stuff. But uh, she knows something happened. She knew her knew her brother was a very different person when he came home than when he left. And um, so I'm at my dad's in Connecticut, and one day in uh, September, uh, I believe, of 82, sometime around there, I had, or October, November, October, it was a sunny day, I had to get oral surgery. So I, I, I was working, and I took the um, day off. I had a wisdom tooth pulled, and it was not a nice thing. 
And I uh, got home, and we had the Hartford Current newspaper. It was a, the main paper in Connecticut, if I recall. And it was on the page. And I flipped the, I never can forget this. And I'm turning the pages, reading blah, 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 what's going on. And there was a picture of, I don't know if it was both, uh, it was definitely probably both Bob and Betty. And there were these paper mache alien uh, figures. And it said, Cheshire or a couple talk about their experience and all. I have that article somewhere. And I'm looking at it and I'm reading it and I, I started to get angry. And it wasn't at them. And I, it's so funny. I got very angry. And I, my dad didn't know about this, didn't know why I got out of the Air Force, that the, why I did and all this. He didn't, I didn't think he'd believe me. And actually, he was a huge ally of mine once it all came out. And he said, well, it all makes sense now with all the weirdness. But that day, I, it said where this gentleman, Bob Luca, worked. And Betty Andreasen, I knew the name from the Andreasen, I knew that. And I called, uh, I got information, I called Middletown Toyota, where Bob was working at that time. And I got some guy and I said, can I speak to Bob Luke? And Bob got on and I said, listen, I just, I just literally had to do this. And this comes down, Becky, to people just, you know, things happening, putting people together and weirdness. They do, yeah. It, it's tons of this. It never ends. And, you know, it, who, who knows, man? And I get this guy on the phone and I and I just said, listen, I'm not, I never forget it. I, my, I couldn't, I sounded drunk because my mouth was all out oh. there. And I said, listen, I'm not drunk, but I went through something in the military and I'd like to, I was wondering if I could talk to you about it. And I, I don't, he was very nice. I think a little hesitant, like what's this going on? Who's calling my job? And <laughs> I said, I read the paper and, um, I just was compelled instantly. I have to call them. I'm not a person to do that. You know, it's like stalking. That wasn't a word then, but it was kind of, so I get on and uh, he was very kind. He said, you know, come over there in Cheshire. And I used to play hockey in, uh, was it Cheshire? At Cheshire. And uh, I played hockey for Cheshire when I was younger. I lived in Connecticut for years and um, I drove over, we made an arrangement and I drove over and I never forget that evening. I sat down with them in their living room, and I saw those paper mache that Betty made. I mean, they're wonderful uh, things she has experienced, uh, beings. And they're a little unnerving to see because they're like in the corner. I'm like, oh, man, oh, if that moves, I'm leaving, you know? And, and so I got to meet these really, really instantly. I was a young kid, I was totally mind damaged. I was a damaged goods. I didn't know how much. And obviously, my family didn't know how much, but uh, I or why, but and I didn't understand. I was still a kid, really. I was twenty-two or something, twenty-one, twenty-two. And I sat down with them, and I remember we had coffee and coffee cake, and uh, I drew, which became very famous picture, which is on went to the cover of the uh, newspapers in England in '83 when all this broke. Someone had gotten a copy, and I they asked me to draw what I saw. And I drew it, and I didn't quite finish it on their coffee table. And that's a very famous uh, kind of picture now. And I, I did it at their request. Uh, I can recall going over what I was willing to go over, and they recorded it, and uh, which I'd forgotten, and they recorded it. And I just simply wanted to talk to somebody. You know, it wasn't, I didn't want to be a UFO figure. I didn't. Rendlesham was unknown. It was just not known. In England, there were some some girls, uh, Dodd Street and Brenda Butler, that were looking into this from day one because they lived in the area. But they were local researchers and just trying to do what they could do from this end. But 
And well, they let, had me bring, a f- let me bring Bob into this. Bob, uh, you met Larry, and you must have been thinking a few things, like uh, as much as you wanted him to come forward, you must have also thought about what that was going to do to his life, right? Well, I think that we did give him fair warning about what might happen. But, um, <clears throat> you did. When, when, right. When he came to the house, I, I want to say this. After listening to Larry and observing him while we were talking, while we were recording, Larry actually turned out to be, first, he was friendly. He was obviously serious. He was a likable young man, and he was very sincere. I mean, you could see it when he was discussing and telling us what he had experienced. He was very sincere to the point that after we talked, there was no doubt in my mind that what he's telling is what he experienced, okay? So I ruled out with almost immediately the fact that he might be fabricating a story or whatever, because it was obvious he wasn't. The second thing, Larry was very courageous in going forth. And I've, I've told you, Patricia, that other people in the military, I've been contacted by sailors that had their sightings um, on ships uh Specifically, one was the USS Roosevelt aircraft carrier. Yes. Marines that had sightings of craft rising out of the jungles of Vietnam, Air Force personnel, radar operators. Now, all of these fellows gave me their experiences, but I could not use their names and they would not talk about it publicly. On Larry's uh, part, this took a lot of courage, which people need to realize. I'm sure this didn't come easy to him, and he paid dearly for it since that time. Also, as a result, a result of talking to Larry, of course, we realized Betty and I did not have the resources to handle that investigation on that scale. So we put him in touch with Larry Fawcett, who was a police lieutenant, and one of the founders of CAUSE, Citizens Against UFO Secrecy, because they had access to investigators, attorneys, and so forth. And I knew that they could help uh, Larry a whole bunch more than we could. In fact, uh, Larry Fawcett and Barry Greenwood's book, Clear Intent, the focus of that book is Larry's experiences. Now, the other thing, which I never got to thank Larry for, is our surveillance increased after... We had been talking to Larry. And, Thank uh, you, Larry. Anytime. I have I have hundreds of photos, Larry, of black, unmarked, mm-hmm. uh, Sikorsky oh, Blackhawks and Huey UH-1s. Yep. And I think I wrote you recently that my computer had been hacked um, both by the United States Navy Space Weapons Division yep. and the Army. And I cannot get the air, the FBI to investigate, even though it falls under their jurisdiction. But anyway, the, all the, the surveillance that we had did become tighter after we had met you and introduced you to uh, Larry Fawcett. Well, so, thank, thank you. <laughs> I, you know, they, they, Bob and Betty, I will say, they instead of encouraging me to go forward, they actually... Uh, 
there was a lot of uh, caution on their part that they said to me. They said, "You ha I, I can remember dear Betty saying to me, because uh, she's from Mass. My parents are from Boston, and it, you know, it's old home, really, anything from Mass. And uh, Hoswatica, Wicked Pizza, all that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. she said, uh, she said, uh, and I remember they both said, you know, the, the public, arena for this stuff is not nice and you have to expect and she says and i can remember bob because bob knew about the military thing they did have i saw the helicopters the pictures over the house i think one of the times i was with them they did have a low fly off the back yard i must say garden because i live in england and uh it was a, a big old thing just circling around them and there's no reason they lived in a nice residential neighborhood there's no reason for this to happen to them and it was very clear but <clears throat> bob's kind of go-to guy you know and unfortunately the rendlesham thing the bentwaters thing went to him but they put me in charge with larry indeed and, and cause. And I can remember you actually arranged an introduction, a personal one. Larry's in Coventry, Connecticut. He was an active police lieutenant. And I think his wife, Lois, and Larry's passed away now, but they came down and we went to an Italian restaurant. Uh, it, with you, Betty, myself, and uh, Bob, and maybe his wife. I, I mean, Larry and his wife. And um, we that's where I met him. I did not think anything would come from this at all, at all. I just felt better that I could tell what happened to me is very cautiously. I didn't want my name used. Barry came up with a pseudonym. I didn't want it. It was Art Wallace. It had nothing to do with me. I never used it. And that was in the book Clear Intent. I said, I'll use my name if other people talk. And uh, But literally, just so you know, the record is straight, this, these are the two people with me and I am the there was another guy who was a false uh, witness in England talking within days to the uh, these two ladies in England and he's a false we, it, it was a total smokescreen they were the feds were trying to throw on the local area they had to contain them too you know and uh, though those girls did great work I mean they certainly did but this thing snowballed I gave uh, Larry and cause uh, started an FOIA and I will never forget the next time, uh, and I know, Bob, you were around all that, is I get a phone call from Larry. I came in from work, and he said, Larry, we got him. And after numerous, numerous ridiculous lighthouses and ape suit excuses from the Air Force and from Bentwaters, we had the actual HALT memo released by the Ministry of Defense to citizens against UFO. Well, it was out of the bag then. It was out of the bag. And then it got, and so clear intent was the first time an account of that was in any book. We, uh, from there, CNN, uh, Chuck DeCaro, uh, I hope he's well. He was shot recently in a, in a robbery thing. But CNN did their, uh, 1985 at air in February, I think, uh, their highest rated special assignment at that time featuring many, Witnesses have never spoken again, all blacked out, not me. It was just me in my backyard in uh, Connecticut. And my dad, I think I filmed it at his house, coming out in the porch yelling, don't let him film the damn house. <laughs> don't let him film the house. And um, we did all that. And it just, it just snowballed. I went to Japan in 84. But when I came back from Japan, one night, I uh, caught holy hell, and I, I brought the whole tape back and turned it over to the... Um, you see, a lot of our information we sent to the UK eventually had a price put on it by an attorney here 
who apparently is still with us, and uh, it was sold to the News of the World, a tabloid newspaper, for twenty five thousand nineteen eighty two pounds, which is about a hundred grand in oh, nowadays money. Goodness. And we sent it as a courtesy, and so they were dividing up blood money. Uh, right away in this country, where it, see, and and it, and it ended up in a tabloid. You know, it was the front page of a Sunday broadsheet, uh, very famous thing. But unfortunately, it's not on the Times of London. But of course, would it be? Exactly. And, but they, Bob and Betty were a hundred percent right. To me, it was just enough. Really, just talking to them, and I felt better. And. You know, I talked to Larry, and then and I held back a lot. I never changed anything. I just kept holding back because I'm saying I'm waiting until other people say certain things. Because remember, this is the early '80s, and you know, basically, if I went to a couple conferences and things, and uh, I'll never forget the. Um, you know, a lot of times it was Alan Hynek. I met him. It was those days, and. You know, Stan Freeman, Bud Hopkins was really new, uh, Bruce, uh, uh, Bruce Maccabee, and then, uh, you know, they were kind of new in that scene. It was really old school ufology, so they're really talking about a light in the sky in a picture and that it ain't a Christmas tree. You know, all this, it, 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 we're sitting here, we've been face to face with things that aren't human, uh, apparently, and these guys are still in the lights in the sky thing. So the witnesses, that curve had gone, but it was very, very male-dominated field, and it was an extraordinarily uh, conservative, conservative field. And actually, you count more hell from them uh, at that time. I had support from a distance, like just in case, let's not hedge our bets. But I think as it became more apparent, this thing went on, uh, it... Uh, you know, I was I was a pretty good target at a distance because I was very outspoken, and I was you know it's just my nature, and I you know it happened to me, so it was no effort really. And then as I got older and older and saw how this, the witnesses are dealt with and treated, I uh, you know I kind of speak my mind. Thus, I'm not speaking for a lot of conferences in America too much these days, and you know it's not why I did it. It's out there, and there's great well, work also, being done. You faced some. Uh, physical threats. I mean, you were beaten up pretty badly about this, weren't you? I mean, you you think it had to do with this? Oh, I had I got a fractured skull. I uh, you know almost killed in a parking lot, and it was just these unknowns uh, called me over. I went and I was beaten three. I had no business with them, and they they vanished and all. And they tried to run me over, but a girl uh, pulled a. Couple people pulled me out of the way of this vehicle trying to run me over, and I, that's one time I saw my father a little emotional because I was in the hospital, New Britain General Hospital, uh, and he walked in. I just remember the look like I just went Jesus Christ. I just it was really a naughty thing, and I had learned uh, my speech was uh, stilted for a long time, and I had to kind of relearn you know the, the flow of uh, speaking. I'd gone to broadcasting school at that time, just finished it, and that was kind of in the boat, in the bucket, you know, uh, you know, for radio. That's where I was heading, and uh, unfortunately, uh, I, I've done radio as the guest over the yeah. years, the host. Well, I can see what sort of derailed your career. I mean, you've had to learn to speak again and well, everything, and, and what a terrible thing. I mean, to be physically threatened in such a way, they could have murdered you, whoever they were. They tried to. They they were trying to murder me. Sounds was, that way, absolutely. It's just, oh, uh, right. I'm Irish, so the best place to hit me is the head. You ain't going to kill me. <laughs> oh, <Lord. laughs> they should have tried better. But Bob and Betty, really, and I can't say it enough, and it's so great 
great to be in touch with them again. And, you know, Becky, it's an honor. And without them, these two wonderful folks, and I haven't seen them physically in many, many years, this would, number one, they gave me a, a place to, you know, they advised me and I made the decision. They did not tell me, hey, get out. you know, they, they were the opposite to that. I think uh, they, they're very kind of like, what the hell is this? You know, this is something, it was unheard of, this type of thing. Not saying it's the only time it's ever happened in history, but to this day, 35 years later in December, it has grown to be the one that, you know, Roswell guys are all dead, sadly. This is the one military incident that we are, you know, they don't want us all in the same room because when we get in the same room, results happen. Answers come to us. We That's figure right. out. You tell, the, was- you tell the same story. I got to wrap this up for our yeah. commercial break, but we are going to be right back in just a couple of minutes. And everybody, you are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio with your host, Patricia Baker, and my co-host, Becky Andreasen, our guests, Larry Warren, and Bob Luca. We will be right back. You're listening to IRN, the Inception Radio Network, Chicago, Illinois. Inception Radio Network listeners, this is Amanda. Just a reminder that Inception Radio Network is on Twitter. Follow us at I underscore R underscore N and keep up to date about who's on tonight, what interviews they'll be doing, who's guest spotting, what topics they'll be covering. Tweet to us, tweet about us, retweet topics to your friends, and most importantly, never miss a great show again. That's I underscore R underscore N. computer? Is your internet connection down? Don't worry. Use your trusty cell phone or landline and call into our listen line at 401-283-6700 to listen to the Inception Radio Network 24-7. Again, that call-in number is 401-283-6700. For the Inception Radio Network, I am MJ. Inception Radio Network. Would you like your favorite show to be played again live on air? Well, now the choice is in your hands with IRN's live request portal, an easy way to request your favorite show with a simple click. IRN's live request portal now gives you exclusive access to all the shows. How easy is it? Simply type a show name or a guest name, click request, even write a dedication message, and that's it. Try it now. Simply visit InceptionRadioNetwork.com. Click on the Live Request tab under the Show menu. Now playing your favorite show is just a mouse click away. Are you a fan of Inception Radio Network? Do you reckon it's the best alternative talk radio station on the planet? Well, if you do, head to Facebook.com forward slash Inception Radio Network and like the page. Tell your friends, spread the word, and keep listening to the best. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. 
When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With cosmic fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, The Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio. I am your host, Patricia Baker. I'm here with my incredible co-host, Becky Andreasen, and our terrific guests, Larry Warren and Bob Luca. And we are talking about the Rendlesham UFO experience. And I've got questions in my, that are coming to me via text, Larry, for you. So here's the question uh, People obviously have watched some of these documentaries about this incident, and they want to know that because when someone, and you can tell us who, actually touched the craft and asked, who are you? The answer he got back is, we are you. And the person that just wrote in wants to know, do you think that they are from our future? Right. Um, I I wouldn't know. I mean, are at Rendlesham itself, I mean, I think offer, you know, uh, aliens, I mean, are here. I have, I don't think it. I've seen things. But at Bentwaters, uh, there's one person that def- definitely, now, my old man said if, you know, someone tells you they know everything and the answers to it all run uh, from them because you get in trouble. Uh, with me, uh, this individual, uh, it's Jim Penniston, uh, says he put his hand on this craft on night one and got a not only that a binary download and he noted it and you know and to me again with all the manipulation that we all went through in the aftermath injections etc including him by the way his own words it's hard to you know how can you be so definitive that this is what it is and i know that appeals to a certain group maybe that's the case with jim i i was told off earth in our debrief and uh, with Jim uh, he is definite this and there's nothing else to it uh, than this was people us from the future Uh, they came to him and you know and uh, he got the message and you know we damn well better listen now why he would come up with that it'd be not correct I I don't know Uh, I don't I, I, it's so awkward because I didn't go through what he's, he said Absolutely. he went through. It's just an interesting uh, it's not. It's not my experience with what I went through. I, number okay. one, I wouldn't have, we were taught to conceal and cover and relay. So I wouldn't walk up to something floating off the ground and put my hand on it. 
uh, myself and then walk around and take notes. That's me. <laughs> no, that, I'm not making right. fun. I I just wouldn't do that. No, I'd be like, course. holy cow, you know, it's terrifying enough. Now, the people with him do not recall Jim, you know, doing his inspection and all that. Not to say he didn't, because he certainly encountered this thing. I think a lot happened to Jim, and I I, I think uh, there were influences and things to try to, um, you know, mess with him also. Uh, but that's a real popular thing. They, they, they love on the ancient aliens, and a lot of people are looking for answers in this screwed-up world, and maybe, you know, oh, we do survive. I don't think we're going to. I don't think we're much worth it half the time, but uh, uh, that's someone else's perception that was and their, experience. Yeah, it was his experience. And so that was the question that came out. And I know that yeah. the code, I had looked it up online and it said it had been decoded yeah. by Joe Luciano. And what he came up with was exploration of humanity, yeah. continuous for planetary advancement or something like that. And then a bunch of coordinates for yeah. Belize, Sedona, Arizona, the Great Pyramid in Egypt, Nazca Lines in Peru, yeah. uh, Taishan Ku in China, and the Portera at Temple of Apollo in Naxos, Greece. Yeah. So, and then there was also uh, some place in Brazil. So there were these possibilities. Let's just well, call it's, it's all wonderful for the you know the new age you know uh, Woodstock crowd. You know, I love the music at Woodstock, but you know, and that's all cool and it's real fun and it's. But you know what, man, we've got to get past. The fact that people, the, the mainstream still says it was a lighthouse that caused all this <laughs> instead of getting into this. Because, well, that is still frustrating, isn't it? I mean, because, this is stuff that makes us no, want to rip our hair out. All that works for, you know, people that say, oh, yeah, no problem. Oh, that makes sense. I've got an answer now. Because Rendlesham is so full of non-answers. It is so frustrating. And yet, well, someone has provided all the answers some of these uh, lost souls need, and uh, that works for them. I think they're all going to be very disappointed, and I'm going to say this. Uh, Mr. Lennon was shot 35 years ago, and uh, two weeks before these events, by someone very obsessed with him in New York City, and uh, that felt... Mr. Lennon had let him down, and the message went bad, man. And unfortunately, the individual that is laying down this kind of, I am the one with the message, it was given to me, they are from the future, here is the coordinates, your lives will all be better. Unfortunately, I feel there's a lot of unstable people married up with that one. I wouldn't let him around my son, a lot of these folks that are, I mean, it's culty, man. And it's, it, it really takes away from where we could take that in court. These events, we cannot take the binary code into any court, and it's all happy hippy dippy stuff, man. And you know, it's it, it's culty. Right. So yeah. I understand where you're coming from, and I know I Becky built a cult many years ago, man. I could have done that with this. And <laughs> said, yeah, man. Here's the answers, you know, and I would have been a millionaire by now. Uh, they had Prometheus, you know, uh, productions. They were over. I was here when Jim announced it. You know, I was with them in Woodbridge in 2010. And even John didn't know he was going to come out, and he says it. And the whole audience attacked Jim. I mean, it really got like a witch hunt, burn the witch. And Penniston and me aren't friends, trust me. But, and I owe him nothing, but I stood up for him because the audience, were. I, I will stand up for the Rendlesham guys, even Colonel Holt, which people might find funny, but, you know, I live by a code, and uh, I wouldn't have been around this this long if I didn't. Well, sure. You have a sense of loyalty. Now, Becky, you had some questions for Larry about his missing time and things like that. Did you want to go ahead with those? 
Yes. Um, first of all, you know, I was talking with you earlier, Larry, about the DNA. And um, I've been told a long time ago that it was, it is due to the DNA that these different civilizations and beings work with each of us here. And it was very interesting what you were speaking to me about. And um, I thought you'd like to share that with everybody. And I wanted to let you know, in your circumstance, could have your parents or grandparents back through uh, had these experiences because of their DNA, and you were put with this family for that very reason. So you want mm. to tell, tell the audience a little bit about that? That was pretty good. Yeah. Well, you know, the older you get, you try to get some, you know, again, looking for, an I don't have answers. I don't know what I saw at Rendlesham, but again, like I was telling you, Beck, we had, I've had experiences since I was a child. I'm not from a family where uh, I know Bob met my father and stepmother and all that, and Betty, I believe Betty did too. You know, from a pretty conservative kind of family, this was not, I'm the UFO. <laughs> if it weird happens, it happened to me and the family until my brother survived September 11th. And that, that then there were two of us that had the two different amazing weird things go on. God bless his heart. He made it, thank wow. God. Wow. He's living back in New York again. God bless him. But um, yeah. He survived the World Trade Center, so uh, mm -hmm. saw it all, though. But uh, we um, we had um, I had very strange things as a child. My imaginary friends actually were real and uh, didn't look like Kenny down the street. And uh, uh, I would go off and see these, you know, just strange things. And there was nothing to influence me about, you know, in the house in the sixties. And we were living lower New York State in actually what is a very hotbed. Pine Bush, New York is nearby, Newburgh. Uh, all the uh, the Hudson Valley Triangle, uh, fly, which is the... Do you know the lower Hudson Valley and Connecticut region have the highest concentration of reported abduction experiences in the whole of the United States? Really? Isn't that a fact? And there's a girl you should have on, Linda... Um, uh, oh, my God. God, nice Jewish name. God, I'll come to me. And she's she's wonderful. Linda, oh, jeez, I dementia. I've got it. I know it. But uh, she's she's really. I love her work. I don't know her. She's pop. You know, she's really on that. But uh, a fascinating history in that area. So I've had all kind of strange things. I think if there is a base in that area with uh -huh. them, it's there and it's near there. And. Um, so I, I am adopted and proud of it. And I was four months old. My sister was. And my parents decided, you know, we'll adopt kids because my mom couldn't have uh, children the, the, that way. And see, all these women cry. They can't have kids. I say, go out and adopt, for God's sake. There's so many kids that, because blood don't mean much. Most things are learned. And only adopted people kind of know that. Um, and we were very blessed. We had a special day, and that was the day we were adopted. And it was just normal to us. It was never like, oh, you know, what a bummer. And uh, But I find, you know, when I meet with other Rendlesham guys, is that we all share one thing. A couple of us are adopted. I, I won't say who, uh, but well-known names with it. And uh, also had previous experiences with the phenomena which is not uncommon with the Rendlesham Witnesses. Uh, I, I won't go into who, uh, this has affected probably all the ones, the general public that follow this event know. Uh, and I, I, you know, I wonder often is that uh, are we, you know, 
there, there was this thing, Preserve Destiny. They had an office down there, uh, the mayor's office, uh, City Hall in New York. I was born in New York City, and my records for birth uh, went up through Catholic Charities. The state of New York still seals the adoption record, even to this day, which I think is a crime because I'm a yeah. parent, and I would like to know the genetics of you know, my son, what he might face, you know? Right. And they don't, and it's appalling. My sister did pursue, got detectives. She, her husband's in law enforcement, and she she found her mother who had passed away two months just before she found her. Oh. And, uh, yeah, but she knows her whole family. They're all New York City cops from the Bronx, so uh, oh. detectives and all that. So that she got what she – I've never had the desire. In her book, I mentioned my name was William Patrick Kane. You know, nice Italian name there, Irish, and uh, – and now it's Lawrence Patrick Warren. And uh, so the Patrick remains the same. And uh, so I do think there's maybe, you know, maybe we have some genes in us somewhere, somehow. Uh, my mother and I had joint experiences. They were very strange in 1974. Um, I had a childhood interest in the subject starting in 71. Didn't know why. And it was basically books by Frank Edwards and, you know, all these old time things, did a book report. My dad drew the cover, which I, I, was, I wish I still had uh, on this book. I, I think I basically copied the book and put it in there. I was, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I wasn't the best of students, but uh, we went, uh, my intent was good. Then we got to, uh, you know, but I had these things happen and I, I get up on the roof, you know, and look, you know, for U, UFOs. I was very, I went through a real obsession, 73 and, you know, and it was, there was a reason now, you know, because it was That's nothing right. being influenced by my family or books around the house. Right. I can remember I found a copy of The Happy Hooker. My father happened to leave out by mistake, but, and I got, I got caught trying to read and understand what the hell this woman was talking about. <laughs> I still remember that day and knew I had to visit Holland one time in my life. And well, anyway, but, um, it's funny, you know, I, you look back on life and I think maybe, you know, maybe there's some genes, Becky, that, uh, you know, we're, we might have a connection to somebody somewhere, somehow. And I think you folks have more direct, you've seen it, you've been in the, if I've been anywhere, I've seen beings in my house when I was younger. Uh, people in my life have. My ex-wife has seen things. My first, Bob, you knew my first wife, Cindy. I think you guys went to our wedding. Right. And 85. And she, you know, was not from any of this. She's an occupational therapist, for, you know, and worked at that time in uh, New Britain General. And I don't know where she's at now. God bless her. Great woman. But this is too much for people when things are running around your house at night and you can't quite wake up, but you're seeing them. And then they're thinking, what the hell have I married here? You know, what? They, talk about bringing baggage into a relationship. <laughs> yeah. <This is> true. <laughs> Now, Larry, you did talk about missing time. Yeah. And what do you think happened? Do you think you were taken to inside a government installation and further brainwashed about this to try to make you forget? I, I think they. I don't think the incidents were meddled with because they they couldn't. I think what they tried to do is confuse, add on even a few things that if you were to talk about them. 
you'd sound like a blithering idiot. And I'm quoting my dear co-author, Peter Robb, as he comes out with all these great showbiz words. But uh, it is it would be a great tactic, wouldn't it? I don't know why they gave us injections. I remember them. And I went through a regression with Bud Hopkins, which Colonel Holt wanted that tape because there were some names on it. And through really stupid circumstances, got a hold of it. I would have given it to him if he asked. And, uh, you know, you have to go by. They want us all fighting, but there is missing time. And this has been realized by uh, only in the last two years. I think I, in our book, I kind of just, well, I must have gotten back to the base. I remember leaving the site and seeing John Burroughs going forward. He was off duty. And that's when him and Sergeant Bastinza, they tried to confuse these events for the public. But now we understand exactly how it all went down. And uh, John went forward and then this object was there and John ran into it and it, it, that's something better for him to talk about and Adrian tried to catch him and part of Adrian went into it and uh, it sounds crazy man I didn't see that I had been called off the site but I don't remember getting back and Adrian doesn't remember getting back John doesn't remember getting back Colonel Holt has which I know from someone that he told it to who is a, re, a retired CID detective here in England Gary Heseltine, uh, who does UFO Truth magazine and the great conferences here, uh, he um, he doesn't remain. Walked back into the field from the second firmer's field, and Gary said, "Well, you've been walking right into Bastinza Warren and all this the camera, all this stuff going on, the phenomena." And he said, "That's funny. I don't remember that." Now, did any of this come out when you had your hypnosis with Bud Hopkins? Any of this, what, what really happened? Well, what what I wanted to explore with Bud in 95, if I'm remembering, is because I knew and trusted Bud. And I was a little, Bob, you remember that uh, Patricia, there was that there was a guy in Connecticut that uh, uh, regressed me. And I was very skeptical on it. And I said, I could hear dogs barking. And they said, are there dogs in the field? And I said, no, they're next to your house. That didn't go down well. But uh, I think Larry... And Fred Max or something yeah. like that. Oh, yes. That's I right. always say Peter Max, like the painter. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but I uh, get him confused. But then the um, – so I was very – and then there was a Patricia Gagliardo, I, I, and she worked for the Connecticut State Police, and she would find dead bodies and psychic woman, and she regressed me. And that, that was interesting. The Japanese did that, but I was having to do it for the cameras. I'm thinking, am I doing this? And there was some weird stuff, but I'm like, nah, I don't know. And then um, Bud did it, and I trust. I knew Bud very well, and I said, I want to explore what happened. There's a part of our book where you would think it's just total mind-blowing. I wrote it in the moment, so and then we move on and try to find reasons and let the reader find reasons. We don't know, so we don't tell you. Uh, we just explore sane avenues. I mean, you know, or it is that way. And you would perceive it being an underground installation on Bentwaters. Well, East Anglia is full of underground installations, tons of them. And um, so I wanted to explore that and what seemed like 10 minutes of really high strangeness, which is in our book. It's it's there. I'm not going to go into it. Uh, Imagery still in my mind a little bit where... uh, in reality, it was a very clinical setting, and I was given injections. There were other people in the room that I named. I didn't want to hear the tape, and I also told Bud, and Peter was a wit- was there when I was regressed, and it was in Bud's studio, and he did it. And I said, you know, I, don't, if the, I want to prove to myself this is real. I don't want to remember what I said. And they recorded it. 
And I didn't remember it. Isn't that funny? And I'm like, well, that's odd. And then I was really weirded out. I didn't want to listen to the tape. But it's all transcribed by Peter in our book. So there was no need for Mr. Holt to surreptitiously try to get hold of it because it's all transcribed. We kept the names out to protect the innocent parties that I named. Right. And they're not known people. And Mr. Holt wanted those names and he got them. Uh, through not us, but through someone that should have known better, and unfortunately, that's history now. And uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, and that that's all. That's all. I was going to say in in the book, um, Peter mentions an independent contractor, George Nursey. It was a former surveyor, and he did verify that there were three tunnels between Bentwaters and Woodbridge. And he said they were capable of holding all the people on both bases, which was, what, something like 4,000 people? Exactly. But, boy, you know your facts, Mr. Luca. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're, uh, you know, you're, you got some uh, confirmation there. And, uh, yeah. Obviously, the guy's a surveyor, and he'd know what he saw and where it was. He yeah, pointed we... out uh, one of the air shafts, actually, I think, to Peter, um, uh, that led to one of the tunnels. That's right. They uh, when we left the air base in '92, when they they scaled back, and I, we only have uh, one. We have two air bases in uh, England now. Back then, we had many, and uh, we have ben, Lake and Ethan Milton Hall. And we lost an aircraft today; just crashed. Uh, at, from American aircraft went down, and the pilot died today uh, uh, down there in uh, Suffolk. Uh, rest his soul. But. Uh, those bases are about to go. So uh, our presence here is dwindling something fierce. But then again, with Russia's flying right off uh, Britain constantly now, testing it, uh, the big Aleutian bombers and all that, all the time. So they, they scramble from Anglesey all the time. We hear them fly up the uh, coast, and they're going after the Ruskies because you know, they're really prodnant. Uh, yeah, there there were facilities. John Burroughs and I went to one last year, and uh, not far from our base, and it was clearly a, a total underground facility. It was just sure. it was disused at that point, but it was very active in 1980. And you know, there, we were taken against our will. There was exotic sprays used on us, which are toxins that can just nerve you out. I mean, just paralyze you really. And it's very. Um, if it was only me saying it now, then I'd be like, well, I'd be long gone from this. But there needs to be accountability uh, with uh, Rendlesham. Well, I, I was very honored in 2001. I flew to the States and I did the uh, the the real, uh, uh, um, uh, was it, the National Press Club, mm -hmm. the Disclosure Conference. And it was 20 wit military witnesses. I was honored to be one of them on the, uh, on the stage at the National Press Club. It was the largest press attendance in the NPC's history, including when presidents spoke there. Uh, the press never left in four hours, and it was stunning. They, they had tears in their eyes from people. And then we lobbied all week. You know, I, I had a best civics lesson of my life. But that first hour uh, of the event was, uh, you know, again, this is 2001, just before September 11th. It was in May. Right. And uh, we, uh, the uplink, which was done not by UFO organization, nothing to do with that. It was uh, professional. It got jammed from within the beltway. I mean, it literally did. And they lost half a million, a million people that were about to tune in. And so it cut that number in half. 
And we did our thing in the press. And, and at that night, we had guys, this is going to Peter Jennings right now. They're going to have, at night, it was the standard. My sister said, I, I remember up in Glens Falls, New York, where she lives still. She's a grandma now, but she said, oh, we saw you on TV. You know, then, then it went to the weatherman and it was making fun of everybody. You know, the yeah. same. In, yeah. a, in England, they just don't report the subject at all on the news. In America, it's always, let's see what Roger in the weather station says. And yeah. it's always, oh, little green men out tonight, you know, and then it's off to a restaurant commercial or something. And, you know, people are, they don't realize in the media, people are so tired of that approach you know we're not you know the british press deals with this subject when rendlesham came out you know, it was ufo spotters they call us uh ufo enthusiasts i know i'm never enth- too enthusiastic about this subject and uh you know uh you are seeing them yeah but they exactly. still have that same template and then well, they always again, it's out. all part of that same disinformation campaign. Get oh, us running in all these different directions. Get us brainwashed by the mainstream media. But again, I keep going back to what we started with at the beginning of the show. 52% of people are saying to the mainstream media, you guys are wrong. We believe. We know what's out there. And we don't listen to you anymore. So there is hope. And I think thanks to you, Larry, and Bob, and Becky, and Betty, all the people out there that are telling the truth about their experiences and sticking together. You know, as as you mentioned, Larry, it's so important that all your guys stand together in this and, and keep sharing their true experience, that's what's going to help everybody change over and realize that there's so much to this. We've been lied to forever. On everything. On everything. And, you know, if you look at how people, again, are looking at the government with a jaundiced eye and realizing it's they've turned against us. The government has turned against its own people. And I think your experience is a perfect example of it. Well, the British government's done the same. And, well, I think it's the Chinese government now, which is the new British government, but we'll leave that alone. But uh, (laughs) you should see the news today. It's hilarious. These vacuous idiots that run this country, they're like spoiled little rubber-faced children. They're the most pathetic traitors. But then again, I could get deported, but... Wouldn't be the first time. But, um, <laughs> you know, you just, you see the royal scam, you know, that Steely Dan album. And it, to me, that's it. But I want to say, you know, I'm all about witnesses, not just Rendlesham, all witnesses to this stuff that are silently dealing with it, which is the majority. And then you got heroes like Bob and Betty and Becky that are public and try to do the good work. They're heroes of mine also. And I, the public should know without <clears throat> Bob and Betty, Blame them. I mean, really, they they are owed a thanks to anyone that really does appreciate that these events are out there that can hold the government to account at some day if people have the bravery. Someday, let's hope. Yeah, Yeah, they're part of it. And I thank them and others should, too. Well, Larry, I want to thank you for taking your uh, time away from your beauty sleep tonight. (laughs) You jump on the air with us. Makeup and wigs. Set the record straight. And Bob, thank you also for coming uh, on the pleasure, show. My pleasure talking to Larry again, too. Thank you. Yeah, uh, this has been honor, great. 
fun. And uh, again, I hope that you will come back for your next book or your next experience or whatever happens next. We'd love to have you return, both of you guys. And Becky, thanks for co-hosting with me. Oh, yes. Always love to have you on with me. And unfortunately, we've run out of time. Next week, we have a great guest on. It is right before Halloween, and it was a dark and creepy night is what we're going to be talking about. New book out, all ghost stories. But for now, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Be safe out there, and we will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night. Good night, night all. Have a good evening. Good night. Bye-bye.